and we're on air check that out i hope you guys can hear and see me okay this is the uh live nam qa i had just finished the nam show and uh, i have a lot to share with you guys uh and i'll be answering questions of course but of course i have a lot of things to talk about including my top 12 things that i liked at the nam show including also the stuff i bought yeah i spent some money at the nam show in fact that's important to mention this year because that tells you it was a good show last year i didn't spend anything and the nam before that i didn't spend anything i didn't buy anything i was excited about some stuff and maybe later that led to me purchasing but uh there you go uh somebody says your voice is hoarse okay so there's something i want to talk about uh and i'll start it and that's a perfect segue into it and i want to say this because it's heartfelt it's important to me to say and I don't want it to sound negative at all because it was extremely positive. I had trouble uh, getting through the NAM show this year, um, and but it was for the best reason ever, which is there were so many of you that came up and said hi to me this year. Now, that happened at the other shows too, but this year just seemed like it was a lot of people coming up and talking to me, and I, I loved it. I spent time, every hopefully, with every single one of you speaking with you, talking with you uh, about the show and about gear. Uh, but yeah, it definitely uh, wore out the voice because it was loud and, we're, and we're, uh, was loud and I was kind of yelling. But also, um, it was a lot. It was a lot of people. We didn't make it very far. Uh, far. It felt like we made it maybe 20, 30 feet in between, uh, you know, introductions. Uh, so <clears throat> it was a little tough to get through the show. But I want to do on that note, I want to sh share a couple things. First, I want to uh, say a shout out to Emily Wolf. She came up to me. She was performing at the Gibson booth at like five o'clock on Friday. I was going to try and make it there. Unfortunately, we we left. Um, we weren't able to uh, check her out. But I put a link in the description of this video if you want to check out Emily and her band. Amazing, talented artist. And again, very heartfelt uh, thank you to her for coming up and saying she liked the show. She likes uh, you know what we do here. And um, I want to also say uh, thank you to Daniel, the the Rumbling Man. Uh, Thanks for coming up to us and talking to us about your uh, new you know, YouTube channel. And uh, it was great talking to you. I want to say thank you to uh, Wanna Beetle. Uh, thank you so much, uh, especially since uh, I gave you a sticker on Thursday and then on Friday when you showed me that you stuck it on your gig bag. That was just cool. And a big props to Bill. Bill, you know who you are. You made my whole yo, <laughs> my yo, yo. You hate my, my my whole Nam show. I'm tongue tied already. Uh, it was just amazing to see somebody that excited about uh, what I do. And uh, thank you so much. Also, a big shout out to the Ben Combs guys. Those guys are great to meet and talk to. Everybody, so much for coming up to me. I went with Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Petros from Petros Paddles. We, uh, as I drop stuff, sorry guys. Uh, we drove up together and. Uh, and it was a great show. It was nice to have somebody to chat with on the five and a half hour drive there. So uh, that all being said, we'll get into the NAMM show now. I just wanted to do again, uh, explain why my voice is hoarse. It's not because I have a cold. I'm, I'm done with all that stuff. Just literally, I have never talked to so many people in my life. <laughs> it was a lot of people, man. Uh, so I have something warm to drink and something cold to drink. Uh, so if I'm drinking again today of the show, I apologize. I just got to get through. And that's actually, I promised some of you guys I was going to do the NAM uh, sum up yesterday at three. That's what happened. My voice was just a little still hoarse. Um, and I could tell. All right. All righty. On that note, hold on a second. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. You guys can hear me okay. Uh, let's talk about the show. 
I was super excited. So uh, we'll start with uh, Metal Axe. Metal Axe said, what did you buy? Let's start with what I bought. I bought a Marshall JCM 800 20 watt head. Uh, I was very excited about that. In fact, we'll just go to the highlights of the show. We'll just get right into it. So what I'll do is I'll screen share that with you guys. It's on knowyourgear.net. If you go to knowyourgear.net, in fact, I will show you right now so we all can see what I'm talking about. Uh, screen share right here. If you go to knowyourgear.net, you can go to the tab that says, uh, what does it say? It says something, 19, 2019 NIM highlights. There you go. You're looking at it right now, hopefully. And uh, these are what the are these are the products that I was most excited about this year. There's some negatives and some positives. We're going to go to the positives first. Uh, of course, the the thing I was most excited about was the uh, the Marshall UK made 20 watt heads. Um, why? Because I just bought the Silver Jubilee. I love it. And uh, to have them expand the series into the JCM 100 and the Plexi, I can't wait till they do a JVM. Uh, some of you guys were a little, when I post that video, a lot of people, a lot of backlash on the price, $1,300 for the head made in UK. And I understand why, because you can buy the DSL 20 head for $500, even though it's made in Vietnam. Uh, you know, it's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of price, $1,300, but I will point this out and I'm just saying it for, for whatever reason. Um, in the price point category of the 20 watt heads made in USA and UK, that is priced, uh, appropriately, um, most it just is mesa boogies in the thousand dollar to sixteen hundred dollar range with their 20 watt heads uh you know friedman's in the fifteen hundred dollar range with his heads i mean it's just it's realistic um because you can't imagine they're going to do a, a price lower than what they did the silver jubilee so i don't have the head yet but i get it on tuesday i'll try and knock out the video the same day and do a comparison with the silver jubilee do i plan to get the plexi head i do although i just can't imagine having all three so what i I plan to do hopefully is compare the 800 to the silver jubilee and find a winner and then move on that way i hope you know i don't know um so there's that and uh then uh next um and i'll take i'm gonna jump back and forth with your guys questions in a minute i'm just gonna tell you the next highlight was the dana electro 59 nos uh that is the sparkle flaked 59 if you guys saw i did a video last year of my 59 nos uh, in red, I love that guitar. It was $399. It's made in Korea. It was one of my favorite guitars. I still love it. I play it every day. Um, I love that guitar. And so the idea that they came out with one, the same exact specs, just with this metal flake for the anniversary was really cool. I plan to get one. Um, in fact, uh, you know, uh, it's just, like I said, I already had planned to do that before I even went to the show. The other thing I was excited from Dan Electro was the 64 uh, XT. Uh, you guys check that out. Um, that is uh, what I like about it is I have a, a 64 that's kind of the Moserite from Dan Electro. This is a little less Moserite vibing. This is something in between. I thought it was cool. Again, made in Korea. And uh, I don't know the price point on that one. I want to think it's about 700 bucks. So, and then that will segue us. We're going to stop talking about highlights to talk about uh, not the negatives um, by any means, nothing negative, but something to talk about because I saw a bunch of you already asked questions about price points. You know, what, what, what the price points this year was some, where there's some uh, affordable price point products. Here's what I will tell you. I thought the offering this year at NAM was very good. It was one of the most best exciting offerings I've seen in NAM, and I want to say almost in 10 years. That's my opinion, just how I felt about the product. However, what I will tell you is I, I was really shocked to see such a movement into the more price expensive uh, categories. Um, in fact, it was really hard for me in this, and a, a lot of you are probably still looking at the uh, uh, 
the knowyourgear.net NAM highlights uh, page if you are, you'll see it's there's some great stuff, but man, the thousand dollar price point seems to have made it to the guitar community strong. I had I have seen so many Korean guitars that were great guitars, but thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars. It seems like Korean guitar prices have definitely come to what us older players are going to consider to be the Japanese pricing. The Indonesian guitar, same thing, a lot of higher end price points. So was there some lower end price points? Yeah, there was some. Um, I, I highlighted, I did a video, I highlighted the vintage guitars brand. Those were really cool. But again, those were in the five and $600 price points. So um, definitely not in those Harley Branton prices where, where you guys probably were hoping they would be. Um, Squire's new uh, vintage modern, uh, not vintage modern, what was it? The uh, Let me go back to it. Because I highlighted it also as part of my thing. Uh, the Squire Classic Vibe Series. Um, in the four and five hundred dollar range, again, a, a kind of pricey, but not more pricey than it was before. But lots of improvements, improved pickups, nickel hardware, aesthetics, cool colors. Um, that was uh, definitely in my top twelve. I put that in the top twelve of the Squire line. I was really, really impressed. Something I'll take you sideways was the highlight of the show. The thing that seems like it got all the attention this year at the show was Fender's Telecoustic uh, guitar for two thousand dollars. It just wasn't my thing. And the re main reason was I'm not even get, I'm I'm just biased and not giving it a chance. And here's why: two thousand dollars acoustic electric hybrid guitars. I'm thinking I'm looking at Taylor T5s at that price point. I already mentioned to uh, a bunch of other fellow YouTubers when we were talking at the show. I said, "Look, I, I have a Godin A6. Uh, I like my Godin A6. Um, that one is now in the thousand dollar price point. I think it's a good guitar made in Canada for a thousand dollars." $2,000 for the Teleacoustic seems like a lot, but you know what I picked uh, over that? This is what really stole it from me, and I'm going to go to it right now, take you back, show you real fast what I enjoyed. For the uh, what I was impressed with, which didn't get any excitement at the show, was this guitar right here uh, that I'm, I'm hovering over right here is the new Epiphone SST Coupe in natural black, and there's this is the acoustic uh, steel string. There's also a nylon string. $599, $600, but again, here's the problem. I would have said $600 for a main China kind of thin line acoustic, uh, you know, electric hybrid guitar. But again, like I said, go A6 now at $1,000, a teleacoustic at $2,000. I mean, $600 seems to be, um, seems to be uh, reasonable at this point. You know what I mean? It just is. So I, I really like that. Epiphone and Gibson really came strong this year at the show. Uh, I put on my top 12 that the Gibson uh, Les Paul standards. I love the new idea with the standards. No weight relief. Um, just, uh, you know, taking it back. There's a 60s era, which is the thin neck and the 50s era. And the 50s era has the, you know, the clues on keys. It just seemed like Gibson really has come back with, um, you know, kind of a, what you call it? They they went back to the roots, which is what we thought they would do once the new uh, CEO took over. The big announcement Gibson made also was that they uh, plan to interact with social media. And uh, I think that's true. I talked to a bunch of people, other fellow YouTubers, and uh, a lot of them have already received Epiphone products or and or and or going to and working with Gibson. Um, Gibson hasn't really reached out to me in that way. But uh, obviously, I like Gibson and Epiphone and and I'll continue to support them the way i've been doing which is what i've been buying i've been buying gibsons and stuff and i plan to buy an epiphone in fact um uh i've been talking about that for weeks on the show too as well 
All right. Um, I got a lot to say, but I also want to kind of scan for some cool questions. Um, Michael says, hey, Michael uh, says, hey, Phil, did Morley have a new ABY switcher? Yeah, Michael, that's on my top 12 list as well. As you know, uh, I'm a huge Morley fan and I like the Morley AB box. It, and we talked about this right right before the NAMM show. They have a $50 AB box that if you have 50 bucks, that's the best AB box, uh, ABY box I like in the $50 range. However, uh, the, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, trying to think, uh, there's, there's a, um, I forgot the brand. What's wrong with me? They're made in Canada. Oh, maybe it doesn't matter. I forgot the brand. doesn't matter. Uh, they have a pro level one now, and I think it's in the hundred dollar range and it's a lot better. So if you're looking for something a little bit, uh, a little better, uh, you can go with the Morley ABY pro series, ABY and ABC switcher pros. So very cool stuff. I checked those out, spent some time at Morley was very cool <laughs> so the homie says what did what did i say for the last 15 minutes well i don't know probably nothing important uh okay rob wants to know did i get my hands on the gibson les paul juniors and sg juniors what did i think i really was really really happy with a lot of the new gibson stuff this year so um in fact like i said it's gonna be tough because like i said the the mute the audio dropped don't cough again yeah like i said it's tough man like i said i barely have a voice um let's see um let's see uh hold on i'm just looking for some questions guys Okay, here's a good question. War Within 7 says, what are your thoughts on the Indonesian-made PRS versus the Korean-made? Is the quality of the Korean uh, that much better? You know, I, I don't. I didn't notice a difference. All the Indonesian PRSs I've picked up have been uh, fine. I, I don't notice any difference. The, the main thing is, is you got to understand, the Indonesian guitars are really good right now. I mean, that's really the trick. They've been fantastic instruments. So I have no issues with that. The Korean guitars, what I heard over and over again from the manufacturers was Korea is getting very expensive. It's no different than Japan. This is this thing that we've all experienced many times over in the guitar community, right? The manufacturers go from the US to Japan, Japan to Korea, Korea to China, China, Indonesia, Indonesia, Vietnam. This is just gonna be the way it goes. And then as those manufacturers move, those factories pick up uh, in quality and volume and they start getting there. So I, I think it's fine. Um, yeah, Wago says World, Max, uh, World Music Korean owns the Indonesian factory. Well, yeah, it could be in that scenario. Um, I don't, here's what I can tell you, Wago. I can only tell you what Paul Reed Smith told me, and they told me that the Indonesian guitars that they use are not world manufacturing now, they are core tech, which is court guitars. That could have changed, but that information was when I was in PRS at PRS in June of 2018. We asked uh, Jack Hickenbotham, he's the CEO of PRS, where the new Indonesian guitars were made. And he informed us at that time they had moved manufacturing to Court Tech, which is Court Guitars uh, for those of you. And again, manufacturing could change again uh, at all at will. Um, but I haven't been told by anybody that anything's changed. So I'm going to go ahead and just keep going with that since that seems to be from the horse's mouth and pretty recent information. So made in Indonesian PRSs are 
uh, from Court Guitars, which is also who makes like the GNLs. GNLs, uh, when I was at the GNL factory, they informed me they were using Court to make their Indonesian guitars. So it seems to be pretty, pretty good manufacturer because I think I can tell you right now, one of the guitars I really enjoyed was the Doheny that was an import guitar from GNL this year. I picked it up and it was so good. I couldn't tell the difference between that and the American one uh, when I was playing it. Now, I wasn't listening to it because the place is so loud. You can't hear anything. So, uh, yeah, Court, uh, Barefoot Mode says Court has Unreal Guitars. I, I think what it is now is we, I think we're none of us should be shocked anymore that import guitars make great guitars. That's, that's just the truth. I think, Alex said, I've said this probably since the day I started talking on YouTube. Expensive guitars are always, for me, always going to be about exclusivity being being the one that only has one you know what i mean uh you know when you see three thousand dollar guitars you're just not going to bump into everybody that has the same guitar as you it's about being different if that matters to you go with it but no you can buy off the rack now at any price point and be totally happy and great great amazing tones so uh jacob wants to know did i see the new kramer line i did it was very good. I uh, I like the new line out. Uh, those, I think, are now made in China as well, but I'm not sure. Um, they were good. I'm not a huge... I wasn't, like, a huge Kramer fan back in the day. Uh, you know what I mean? I tried that uh, Focus, obviously, that went to Brian, and that was a great guitar. The Kramer guitars uh, looked really cool. Um, I liked what... I, I wish they would do... Uh, and I'm sure they will soon. I wish they would do more products like like Charvel's does. Charvel has really been expanding the lineup. I think I, I think if the future of Kramer is like that, it'd be really interesting. Um, Eric wants to know if I tried the new EVH Shark guitar. I did not. I saw it at the show. I didn't pick it up and play it. It wasn't something that I was uh, in the market to purchase. Um, I spent a lot of time on Thursday at the show actually checking out stuff I was looking for or maybe purchasing this year. So... Um, all right, hold on. Guitar Hack says, hey, he's digging the NAM coverage. Yeah, I didn't put much out because I was really trying to just in involve myself in the show and get a sense of what's going on this year. It would really help me uh, kind of understand what products to review for you guys or check out or talk about this year. Oh, here's a good question. Nathaniel wants to know what was my favorite Fender from Nam. My favorite Fender from Nam, if you go to my highlights page, I'm going to say was the new Bass Breaker 30. So again, that was companies listening. Um, a lot of you uh, have uh, have said the same things, uh, echoing you know the same things, which is the um, Bass Breaker 15. You can't switch channels. Is 15 watts really enough? You know what I mean. And so now they came out with the 30 watt amplifier it is made in mexico so they didn't move manufacturing on that it has two channels you can switch between clean and dirty unlike where the 15 you just had the rotary switch and you couldn't switch between it still has digital reverb but that's okay it sounds good on the 15 i assume it's going to sound good on the 30 for what i could hear when i was at the show that amplifier is 899 i put that on my top 12 pieces of gear what i didn't find out is if there's a head version or if it's just a combo not sure um jeremy wants to know what youtubers did i meet there and uh, any collaboration talks. Uh, every YouTuber I've ever I've ever seen on YouTube was there, and uh, I, I I mean it was it was a 
it was a, a lot of YouTubers. It was like YouTuber land, um, which is cool because we we get to talk to each other in a way that's different because we all make content. And I mean, every level, you know what I mean? There's YouTubers with a thousand subscribers or YouTubers with a million subscribers. And I, I find me personally, when we're all talking to each other, um, we're just talking uh, to each other uh, as you would a coworker, somebody who does what you do and relates to, you, you know, the, the goods and the bads of what you do. And it was great. Um, so it was really, really cool. Um, any collaboration talks? Nope. I didn't do a whole lot of content there because like I said, I was just trying to get a bead on the, the market, check out some stuff. Plus, as I mentioned, when I started the show, I really spent a lot of time talking to you guys, uh, the, the viewers that were there. Uh, that's what I spent the time talking to. That was 90%. I don't know. That may be high. 70% of my time at the NAMM show was actually standing in place somewhere talking to viewers. That's what I did. The majority of the show, uh, which I found was obviously it was very nice to hear uh, feedback and hear everybody talk. But more, more importantly, it was nice just to interact with you guys. You know, I see you every week in, in the chats, you know, um, and I see your sign ons, but it was nice to see faces. And I loved it when you guys were like, this is my sign on. Oh, you know, someone else a shout out to. I should have said this too, Dr. Bruce. Uh, I want to do a shout out for him, man. He was wearing one of the Know Your Gear shirts and he came up to me and a uh, very cool guy and had a good conversation with him as well. Um, let's do real quick. Let me tag some of these super chats. Uh, uh, let's see. Hold on a second. the Charles Keen. Hey, Chuck Keen. What's up? He just said, relax and have a few beers. That's, I appreciate that. They, um, Oh, you know, and I don't know why beers made me think of this, but I'm going to let you know my favorite booth of the year by far was Kiesel. Kiesel guitars came to the show and, um, they did what I think every company should really look at and how, how a perfect booth should be. They just brought like 150 guitars and put them out for everybody to check out and made the booth as open as they could. And uh, that's it. It wasn't really set up, you know what I mean, in a way like you had to tour it or if you just, you know, could have stand there and stared at stuff. You just got to pick up guitars. So um, what happened with that? Well, I fell in love with the Kiesel guitar and I'm definitely ordering a Kiesel guitar this week. Actually, I'll be uh, doing that. That will be a video. Uh, I will vi uh, video it as well. It's not a uh, co-op video. In other words, I'm not working with Kiesel. They didn't reach out to me or anything. Um, so uh, this is just like, I'm just going to be purchasing it. Um, I did meet one of the sales reps who's a friend of my friend. So I might be cr calling him in the video and just doing the order on the phone with him, or I might do it online. I'm not sure, but my plan is to actually do the guitar and order the guitar and make it a video. Um, the video of course will probably be out in two, three months. Cause I'll, I'm just letting you guys know what I'm up to. I'm going to film it from start to finish. And then when you get, when the video is done, uh, maybe get to share the experience with you guys, how it was. Um, there you go. I curious. I always like to know what you guys think about that. How, do you guys think I should, uh, you know, I'm not getting anything out of the deal. In other words, they're, they're not going to give me any kind of special YouTuber discount or anything. Um, so I was wondering about actually doing it anonymously, letting, not even letting them know it's me, maybe, you know, something I can do. So it's off the, that way, when I do the review, it maybe is, is really accurate. You know what I mean? And that way it gives you an insight. Cause that's what I want to share. You know what I mean? When you order a guitar like that, I've never ordered a guitar like that from Kiesel. So uh, that's why I want to do the video just to share the experience. So maybe I'll try to make this, the experience as accurate as possible. So, uh, so some of you guys, I think it's funny. Some of you guys are like, yes, no. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, yeah, see, so many people like the idea. You like the idea of doing it that way? I think so, too. I, I really was impressed with the quality of their guitars. What I can tell you about the Kiesel guitars that I was playing at the show, I really, that's why I said, instead of like last year where I was walking around the show, this year I was really focused on really just the stuff I was interested in this year. And the Kiesel guitars are something I was interested in last year. I didn't pull the trigger. So I spent some time checking them out. And uh, I really liked what I was playing, especially for the price points. I feel like uh, they were definitely in league with my... Here's what I can tell you. The Kiesel guitars I played at the show, I would honestly say felt exactly like my Framus, which was, you know, as you guys know, that custom shop Framus was a $7,000 street price guitar. Uh, the uh, Music Man that I have, which I bought that used uh, for $1,400, but, uh, at, you know, that's a $3,000 guitar. So I really felt like everything I was picking up at the show was definitely like $3,000 guitars. And the guitar I'm looking at, I'm hoping, we'll see when the video's done, I'm hoping to be getting in and out of it for about $1,300. It looks like is what I'm looking at for the price, uh, the product I'm looking at. And um, to me, if I can buy a guitar of that quality that feels that way and looks that way for anything less than what an American uh, professional Strat goes for street price, I think that might be an exciting thing to have. So, so I don't know. Like I said, uh, what else? Uh, Michael, okay, good question because a lot of people asked it before. Uh, wanted to know about the visit. With, uh, did I visit the Chapman hotel room? Uh, nope, I didn't know they had a hotel room. I saw Chapman at the show. I talked to him for about two seconds. Um, he's always very nice. You know, I just want to let him know again. Like his channel. Um, I let him know I saw the snake oil pedals uh, uh, announcement. I didn't check him out. I didn't say uh, see anything. So I don't seem to uh, uh, run in the, U the YouTube circles that that gets hookups with stuff. You know what I mean? So I, I see, I feel like, uh, I, I'm just being honest with you. I, I like said, everybody's so nice to me, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the vibe of the channel, but I don't really seem to run in the YouTube circles, the right circles, wh whether it be the company or not. I can see that a lot. The reason I say that is one thing I noticed at the show that was, uh, very apparent was I was able to walk in and out almost every single booth. Uh, and not one company ever said anything to me. I don't think one company, uh, stopped me when I was in the booth or said anything about the channel, which is fine. And, uh, it was good. Cause I would, but what I was funny was I only reason I took notice of that was I was hanging out with some YouTubers and every YouTuber I hung out with when we went to the booth, they got stopped and it's, and, and stopped because they seem to have some kind of relationship with the company. I don't seem to have very many relationships with a lot of companies when it comes to the YouTuber side. And, uh, I'm okay with that. I like I said, I'm fine. Brandon wants to know what I think of the Freeman JJ uh, Jr. Man, that thing that sounded fantastic. $1,500 made in the USA. It made my list of top 12 amps. Um, it's one of the first things we saw at the show. And I was almost like, oh, maybe I need that. And because uh, I kind of had it in my head, you know, I was going to get something while I was there. And um, then I saw the, the JC100 and that just seemed a little bit more my style. But man, did that amp sound good. Okay, hold on. And again, I'm just answering any questions about the NAM show. Uh, Martin says, you probably because you're too honest for them. No, you know what? I think, and I appreciate you saying that. That's a kind thing to say. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just a format uh, thing. I just, um, the way I do videos is so random in, in how I do it. Uh, there's just not a lot of, and I'm awkward. <laughs> I'm awkward when I'm dealing with the companies. 
I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say to them half the time. So, um, plus I find the more I work with them, it, it, it actually sometimes is a hindrance sometimes, but, uh, it, it works when I do have great relationship with them, it works great. And there's so many companies that I have great relationship with now. And I think I have enough, uh, great relationships with enough companies. Uh, what was the worst thing at NAM? Oh, that's a good uh, thing. What was, what was the worst thing at NAM? I think the worst thing at NAM was the, like I said, what I definitely got a sense of either a inflationary price a cost increase across the board or uh, a disconnect from what I see you guys talking about. The viewers, when I put, if I'm trying to put my finger on the pulse of what the community on YouTube is doing, it seems to be very focused on more price-friendly product, uh, keeping things realistic. What I saw at the show was some amazing products. And in fact, this is a great way to uh, kind of talk about this. If you go, uh, and I'll bring it up, uh, and this is a good way to talk about it. Um, when I look at the my top 12 list, uh, let us let me show you some of the stuff. Obviously, the Marshall heads were fantastic, $1,300, $1,500. That was expensive. I really like the new Ibanez Tube Screamer. It sounded amazing. It's $450 street price. Again, you know, the internet will mentally explode when they hear that price point. The point is, though, the pedal sounded fantastic. Um, but, uh, you know, $450. Uh, um, the um, the Ormsby guitars, the, the main Korea guitars, were amazing. Again, $1,000, $1,500. Although they, they did show us a hint of the new Indonesian line of guitars, those will be, hopefully, they said, around sub $700 or sub $1,000. But again, very expensive. Um the new Bass Breaker 30 amp, fantastic, but $900, not quite affordable. The new Gibson lineup, of course, amazing. These guitars are still in the $3,000 range. Um, even Kiesel, the quality of the guitars are fantastic, but I saw that they had bumped prices up. Most of the good prices now started at $1,150, where I remember just a year ago, they were in the $950 to $1,000 range. Small price increase, but price increase. Um, the Made in China, uh, like I said, the Epiphone SST Coupe, natural, fantastic, but again, $600, very pricey, uh, so uh, very expensive. Uh, I put some things, Travel Guitar came out with these uh, vibrant guitars, which are kind of copies of gems. Uh, interesting idea, maybe even fun, felt kind of like an impulse purchase, like if you saw that for $199, you'd buy it in a minute. These were $899. So there, but there was some stuff on the other side. Let me show you one of the things I'm excited about that was price friendly right here. As, uh, as I show you this, uh, I've been as 32 inch scale bass. If you guys know, I play 32 inch scale bass. My works 32 scale. They were fantastic. I checked those out two ninety nine. dollars I highly recommend those. Those were great. Um, the new Strandberg basses again, uh, some of the best basses I've ever played. I didn't even ask the price. I can't even imagine, uh, I, anything under, uh, $3,000. I'd be shocked. I'm sure it's an over $3,000 instrument. Squire Classic Vibes are great at $400. But again, there was definitely an absence of affordable priced product as a whole coming out. And uh, what, you know, you saw. So like I said, that's the only thing I saw. Um, which really means like guys like Harley Benton stuff are going to really probably even cash in even harder this year with more uh, affordable products. So, uh yeah, and so and somebody says the price increases uh, best because of wood commodities. There's a ton of reasons why there was price increases. Everything from they were upgrading stuff, but 
you know, again, I'm not dogging the price increases. I'm just explaining that was the only thing that I thought was kind of a bummer. I thought I was going to see a bigger variety of more affordably priced stuff. A lot of new pedals this year, way more pedals than I'd ever thought would be uh, coming out. But again, uh, you know, the price is being thrown out. Every time I saw a pedal I thought I liked, it was $200, $350, $200, $150. Um, uh, $150 wasn't bad, but you get the idea. A lot of, lot of, uh, so what did I like about the new Gibson versus the old Gibson? Really what I saw was uh, more of a trying to just streamline and put the models back to the way that they were originally and takes all the modern junk out of them, uh, which is uh, what I, I hear a lot of people complaining about. And uh, that was the main thing. But also adding choices. I was really impressed with them having, hey, a standard, uh, uh, instead of just doing a standard and then be you don't like the standard you have to get the classic you know to having two choices in the standard a 60s and 50s profile was really great um i like the new classic line i liked the uh um i didn't check out traditionals i was really just Im mostly impressed because this the this i like the 60s standard line that was the thing i was most impressed with uh better colors having p90 options on the standard line too was kind of cool uh Barb says, I saw nothing about GNL. Were they at the NAM show? They were at the NAM show. They had a little booth. Um, you know, I, yeah, I didn't see anything new from them. They came out with nothing new. Like I said, I tried their Doheny import guitar. I was impressed with that. Um, I, I kind of earmarked, you know, mentally on uh, that I would like to buy the Doheny this year and maybe get rid of my uh, Made in Mexico Jazzmaster. There was something about the Doheny I just liked more than my Made in Mexico Jazzmaster. So I was thinking about switching out and getting that. That's something I might do. Of course, a lot of stuff. I actually, there's a lot of stuff I plan to buy this year uh, from the NAM show. I like I said, I already bought my Marshall head. But, you know, like with most stuff, something has to go for something to come in. I can't just start throwing money like crazy at you just because new gear came out. But, uh, but <laughs> there's some stuff I like, you know, to the point where maybe I want to get rid of something to get it. Uh, there is... Ah, uh, Zazzy says, where are you broadcasting from? I'm actually at home. This is just a uh, my a different room where I have these gray curtains at. Boss. Boss has a new uh, product out. It's a uh, it's a attenuator that is uh, kind of to co compete with Aux. I didn't see a price point on it, but I did check it out. It was really cool. Again, not seeing the price point. I think it's a, if you're, if you've been thinking about getting the ox, I think it might be the thing to have. I'm a true fan of boss uh, stuff for their quality and their price point. So this, it might be a smart move because it might be the thing that gets me to get something like that. Uh, the ox is something I really, really, everybody told me to get an ox and just their 1200 bucks um, just seemed pretty pricey. My Rivera, I paid 400 for as an attenuator, which is I think an expensive, you know, thing. And I think I bought it used. Oh, well, I know I bought it used. I paid 400 used. Maybe I paid 350 used. But either way, a lot of money. So, I mean, it's a lot of money to have an attenuator. Uh, Evan wants to know what I think of the Dane Electro and Donner pedals. I didn't see Donner. They were probably there. I didn't get to check them out. Um, but I did check out the new Dane Electro pedals. They came out with two pedals that are uh, more pricey. Very cool. I got a feeling I'll get to review those. I have a really good relationship with the Dane Electro guys. Steve, who owns Dane Electro, and I uh, have had great relationships. And there's something coming up that's going to be really cool. Uh, I don't want to talk about it yet because it's not confirmed, but it will be something that, as a com uh, uh, as a community, we've been wanting to do. And I think Dane Electro is uh, willing to help us get that accomplished. So 
I would imagine they'll send me some product to review. Um, the Acoustasonic. I, I talked about this earlier. Again, we might be reiterating some stuff. Um, I, I wasn't a, a big fan of it. I think if you wanted a product like that, I think that's cool. But $2,000 for the Acoustasonic. It's not that I think $2,000 is it's overpriced. I, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that it, I can only talk to you guys in in the in the way that I I looked at it for me. For me, for $2,000, if I was going to buy a product like that, I would look at the Taylor T5. That's what I would look at. That's just my personal opinion. So I didn't see anything that was better than the Taylor T5 when I checked out the Acoustasonic, and I was pretty thorough with it. It was really cool. I liked it. I just didn't love it. And it was $2,000. So that's a legitimate, you know, that's that's money, man, when you're talking about something like that. You can't impulse a $2,000 guitar. At least, well, I'm sure some of you right out there can, but not me. So, um, Brandon says, two notes captor is 250 and can be used as an attenuator. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was talking about with the ox. As much as everybody talks about, you know, sometimes when people talk about something like the ox being so amazing, it is, but it's at a price point. You know, if I'm happy at a, you know, you know, spending shorter amount of money with a product, sometimes that's more than enough. Uh, let's see. Hold on a second. I'm doing two things at once here. Hold on, because we got. Tom says, mostly just thrown in the tip jar. Thank you, buddy. But curious if you think any import manufacturer buyer stuff happens at NAM these days. Um, what do you, let's see. He says, I want to know if, if you think any import manufacturer buyer stuff happens at NAM these days. I don't want to know if I understand the question, Tom. If you post that, uh, if you could put it in more detail, I'd, I'd love to answer it. Don't, don't have to super chat it. Just, just post it, post it, and then I'll, I'll look for it. Um, do I think import manufacturer buyer stuff happens? I, I understand what you're saying. I'm going to say yes. Here's why I'm going to say yes. Because what I, I think the NAM, what the NAM is good for, this is there's, there's things it's really good for still to this day. It's good for meeting other people in the industry and uh, making connections, putting faces to names and stuff. So I think so. And um, also sharing ideas. That happens a lot of times too. So I think it's possible. So, okay, and he put on here, imp important, just actual business. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, actual business. Like I said, I, I think so, Tom. I think, uh, yeah, they bump into each other, talk to each other. I think that's how a lot of this stuff gets actually, uh, this co-mingling, like when brands co-mingle and stuff, I think it happens at the NAMM show. I think people go to each other's booths, they talk. I think they meet each other at the hotel bars afterwards of the show and bump into each other. Um, most of the people I meet at the NAMM show in the industry, it's after the NAMM show, just, you know, at a restaurant or something like that, you see them and you just say hi. So it's really great because when you're walking around, you know, somebody asked me earlier about YouTubers I met at the show and what I thought and, you know, and, um, and, uh, you know, how many do I meet? And I met a lot, but I mean, you just meet everybody, you know, I was walking around and there was James Brown, uh, standing there and I walked up and just shook his hand and talked to him. If you guys don't know who I'm talking about, I'm not talking about the, the artist, James Brown, obviously I'm talking about James Brown, James Brown, the amp builder. He built the, uh, 5150 for PV did the, uh, coupe 36 and 72 for custom um he does amp tweaker uh he's fantastic it's just nice you get to walk up to those and, and and see somebody you know and, and say hi and say you like their work so 
Oh, Brian, qu good question. Anything special for the Blues players this year? You know, not, I mean, I mean obviously the answer has got to be yes, but nothing that I took note to that would be specific to the Blues players. Even in the pedal arena, I didn't see a whole lot of stuff in the pedal arena uh, that was uh, Blues players. What I did say see in the pedal arena that was interesting was a lot of companies came out with one new pedal. Very very focused you know it's not like they came out with three pedals each uh the only exception i was fender fender came out with like a ton of those pedals um that was a little odd for me i thought that was a odd decision to just jump out another batch of pedals at this point i think fender will have what do they got six and then they had three that's nine and then i think they did another six it looks like so i mean you know that's a lot of pedals um to have out in the market but at this point fender now has a full offering of pedals and um there you go yeah. Okay. Scooter. Thank you, Scooter. Uh, Scooter C says super new, the Supro new amps for blues. You know, what's interesting is I got to see the demo of those amps. They sounded really good. And I made a mention to Lawrence when he was there with me that it really lets me know how much the Supro amps must look cool because um, them being black just look, seem so boring compared to the other Supro amps uh, look wise. Um, but they sounded fantastic. I didn't get a price point on those. That's what I'm curious about. I don't know how. I'm sure. It seems like Supro is always priced just slightly higher above Fender's offerings. So, um, yeah, Todd says he loved the Supro, the Supro amp. I, well, I'm a big fan of Supro amps as a whole. Now, uh, now the question about uh, Bluetooth amps. Dennis said, hey, any new Bluetooth amps? Nothing that I saw. Again, I'm sure they were there. I just didn't see them. They, oh, $600 for the new Supro. That's reasonable. I didn't see where it's made. Is that the, I wonder if that's USA made for $600. That would be a really good price point. I would imagine when you see $600 for a tube amp now, I'm just thinking import. Again, it's just, you know. Uh, when, I, when I talk about prices, understand what I'm saying. When I say $600 and I say, I wonder if it's made in the USA or something like that, I, I'm really just saying I'm shocked when I hear. Because every once in a while you hear about that stuff. There are certain manufacturers that can stay in the USA. It's like Kiesel. They make affordable price guitars still in the USA. Now, a lot of Kiesel guitars are priced the same as the import guitars that I saw. In fact, a lot of the new Schecters, a lot of the, obviously the Ormsby, uh, you know, um, uh, import Korean guitars, those are priced the same as Kiesel's. So it's, it's interesting to see when a manufacturer can still hang on to their roots uh, being made in the USA. So it's really interesting to see that stuff. Okay. Uh, uh, DeLuca, I, I hope, I'm DeLucia, I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, but it says, did you play the Stingray? Stri Stingray? Music Man has Sting Stingray short scale bass. I didn't get to play it. I saw it. Um, I thought it looked cool. You know what I mean? And uh, I kind of, purposely stayed away from it something like that is you know you just get like oh maybe i need this and then you realize later you didn't need it but uh so uh yeah but i saw it okay what else brian wants to know did i order the sparkly blue dane electro 60th anniversary i didn't order it and the main reason is is because steve uh who owns dane electro uh uh, I don't know. He's kind of alluding he might give me one, and um, and I and I again, and then when I do the review of it, I'll I've, obviously I always disclose that stuff. Um, and I don't know if that's true. Maybe there's gonna be a deal on it. I'm not sure. So that's why I held off. So I have 
the there is uh, you know an interesting thing to talk about at this point uh you know like i said i mentioned this gibson made an announcement that they are going to really try to embrace social media a large music retailer came up to me at the show and uh it wasn't guitar center so i'll just say that or sweetwater because obviously sweetwater i work with and uh guitar center you know wasn't the company but they come up to me and they said that they want to do social media and they want to start working with uh youtubers more and and as you guys know my my policy is pretty clear i i disclose anything that i do you know just so you guys know whether it's my idea or if i'm working with a company because the company sent something to me um and i saw that as a real big trend this year as a lot of people mentioning they want to work with social media more and I think that's cool, right? I think it's like I said, I look at his communities. It's a, they access communities. They definitely can't advertise any cheaper than what how YouTubers interact. Um, you know, uh, you know, mentioning a product and getting twenty thousand views on it uh, just to send a product out is a pretty inexpensive thing to do, or whatever YouTuber charges. It's usually not anything compared to other uh, ads advertisements. But back to Dan Electro, they are a company last year that kind of embraced social media. And the reason I mentioned that is just because uh, I think you, uh, Gibson will get a lot of attention this year is embracing social media. And I'm really happy they are. Uh, Fender obviously embraced it last year. That's who sent out the Fender pedals. And then when I did the Mustang GT amp, that was Fender sending that out. And when you guys asked if I would review the player series strat, that was because of uh, a relationship now with a Fender that allowed me to email them and say, hey, I have viewers wanting to see the new player strats. And they sent us one out so we can, you know, I took it apart and showed it to you. I took it apart. And that stuff is almost impossible to do if I don't have a relationship with a company because uh, it's, you know, I can't buy a $600 guitar and take it apart to put out a video. Um, it, it just won't, it won't ever, it won't even break even. So sometimes it's a little tricky to do that. So it's nice if companies have relationships like that. Um, and uh, Dan Electro was definitely one of the ones that, that embraced the social media thing last year. You saw, you saw it. a lot of YouTubers had Dan Electro products and what was nice about Dan Electro, and I'm just mentioning this, is because the reason I say this is they know that I have, that I really love the 59 model guitar. Obviously, when I did my red one last year, I really loved it. So when they did the anniversary, they kind of knew already ahead of time through our relationship that I was a big fan of that guitar. So I, um, but I will tell you this, if they don't hook me up with one, I, I'm going to buy one. So, and if they do hook me up with one, I plan to do something cool with the red one. Uh, uh, on the channel. So, because, and like I said, I'll disclose it. They send that to me and then I'll do something with the red one. Cause I don't need two of them. So we'll do something cool. I promise. So yeah, see, here's a great, uh, ER Webster says, Hey, Phil, it's uh, because of your review that I decided to get the Ding Electro 59 XT and I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad you said that ER Webster and I'm glad you enjoyed that. And that's why, like I said, I, I, I think it's important. That's why I like to disclose if a company sends something like I said, or product provided, or if I say independent review because of that reason, because I, I know you're making choices on stuff I'm saying, and I just want you to know where I, my investment in this is. So it's really cool. So and Brian wants to know, so what did, uh, uh, what did you see that you are going to get? Okay. So this is a good segue. All right. So let's talk about what I plan to purchase this year. Uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, I already know what I'm going to buy this year. Um, uh, so obviously I bought the JCM 800 Marshall. That's already done. Like I said, I bought that for Sweetwater. That'll be here on Tuesday. I purchased that. If, uh, I don't get some kind of, uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, Dan Electro doesn't send me a 59 NOS flake to review. I definitely plan to buy that. 
Uh, either way, I plan to to have that guitar in the uh, because I, I'm a fan of that guitar. Um, the other guitar I plan to get is a Kiesel guitar. I don't plan to disclose which Kiesel guitar I'm getting right now because uh, when it's all done, that will be a video. But keep in mind that video could be uh, well, that video will be when they build it. So I plan to order it buy it and again that will be independent review um because that's not involved with the company uh same with the marshall i just bought that from sweetwater uh marshall uh you know they don't know me from adam so um the other guitar i think i'm planning to get is a prs ce semi hollow 24 uh as you guys know i have a reclaimed ce hollow body i really really like it and um i like it so much that i'd like to have one of the new ones that came out and they're kind of pricey uh, that guitar is definitely something i plan to purchase if i do buy that guitar i will be selling one of my prs's to get that guitar and uh i so that's definitely one i want to get and what else um hmm that's a good question you know what I, i'm also looking at is epiphone hollow body uh, that's another a purchase that I think I'm on. I remember I mentioned on the live show a while back, I was thinking about getting an Epiphone Les Paul. I've changed my mind. I think I want to get an Epiphone Hollow Body. So, uh, K, K Drake 77 says that why the Marshall JC 100 over the Mark II? Uh, in other words, why did I buy the uh, JC 100 over the Super Lead? Here's why, uh, uh, K Drake, is because, and this is why I hopefully you guys uh, love this channel for this reason. I hope that a lot of you identify to what I'm saying and vice versa because it's nice. Um, because I have to do things very realistically in my mind. Here's what I did. I, I would love to just go and just buy all the Marshall heads. That'd be great. I, I mean, that you know, like I said, I understand what you guys are saying. $1,300. If I buy the Marshall JC100 in the Plexi head, that's $2,600 worth of Marshalls. That's a lot of money. So here's what I decided to do. I think I want the Plexi head, but I have a Marshall uh, Class 5 head. And that's main UK. If I buy a Marshall Plexi, I will not need a five watt class five head. Those heads are definitely fetching $300 used all day long. I see people are getting four and $500. So I can definitely sell mine for 300 bucks. So here was my thought. I bought the JC 100 because I already have the Marshall Plexi, or uh, sorry, I already have the Marshall Silver Jubilee. And what I plan to do is when it shows up this week, the JC 100, it's supposed to, it says tracking on from Sweetwater says Tuesday. When I get it, I'm hoping to A-B them and find one to love. So I love the, the Silver Jubilee, but maybe the 800 is what I want. So when I A-B them, my plan is one will survive. <laughs> That's what I hope, right? I hope that I end up loving the one or not. Now, here's what I was thinking I'm going to do. If I love the JC 100, then I will just sell off my Silver Jubilee and I'll keep the 800. And then I will sell off my Class 5 and get the Plexi and have the 800 and the Plexi. Life is good. If I like the Silver Jubilee more than the uh, the JC 100, I will probably uh, either sell off the 800 or send the 800 back to musicians. Or sorry, uh, to Sweetwater and get and pay to get the Plexi. Does it make sense? Because uh, you can just pay the return shipping to send that back and get the new one. I, I don't know. I might sell it off. I don't know. It depends on it depends on re returning that stuff. Always depends on how long I need it. Here's a good example. Um, I bought an amp uh, last year and it took me at least three, four months to figure out if I liked it. So obviously I just had to sell it at a loss. So, but if you get something and you hate it in the first day, that's easy. You can just exchange it out. So um, that's what they, you know, that's how you do that. So that's why I plan to do that. I would like to end up with two Marshall amplifiers. 
Uh, right now I have the Silver Jubilee and the Class 5, and I just don't know which two I'm going to end up with, but that's how I plan to do it. So that's why I did it the way I did it. So, yeah, he said, got it, thanks. Right, It's I think that's very practical thinking. I think, uh, that's what I said. I think a lot of you guys will hopefully relate to that. Um, you know, I would love to just stack amps up to the ceiling, but that's not it. In fact, if you watch the channel for any length of time, uh, there's some mainstay amps I have, like my Princeton and my Su Supersonic from Fender. I keep those for, uh, I like them. And uh, the other amps, you know, I keep them for a year or two. And then, you know, you get something different. Uh, RC32 said, any basses that appeal to you? Yeah, of course. Uh, there's a couple basses if you, uh, that I liked. First, I like the 32-inch scale basses that uh, uh, Ivan has put out. That's affordable. love that. Then uh, Ivan has also brought back uh, some really cool basses from the 90s that are, are amazing. Um and they were like $1,500 made in Indonesia, kind of like you see the theme I'm talking about, $1,500 instruments made overseas. Um, that was really cool. I definitely like the Strandberg a new basses. That was cool. I love the new Bongo basses by Music Man, the new colors. Those are great. The only thing that, like I said, bummed me out was a lot of the stuff I liked. Everything I seemed to like had a $2,000 price tag on it minimum. And, and that was really, really, um, uh, you know, <laughs> that was really a, like a theme. Uh, Andrew King says, what about the Dookie drive from MXR? That was a cool pedal. Um, uh, I'm obviously a, a fan, uh, but, um, I don't know. It's not a pedal that made me want it. I like the whole two idea that he, he had it designed. Uh, if you guys don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about, he had it designed uh, a pedal that simulates both his amplifiers. So there's one cleaner amplifier, one's uh, gainier amplifier, and you can mix the two. I thought it was really cool. Um, and I thought that uh, pedal was like $200. So it was, it was good. So, uh, pedals that I checked out the show, like I said, I really liked the new Ibanez pedal, even though it was really crazy priced. So it was just 450. Woo. It was a lot. So, but some of the things about that, some of the things about the NAM show is I was, I was telling some, some of the viewers when I was talking to them, the NAM show is like a car show. You know, you go in there and you see this quarter million dollar Lamborghini. It's just cool. It's just cool to see them do stuff. I like, you know, it doesn't matter what it costs. You can buy what you like. And then, you know, just because it's too expensive doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. You just can't afford to buy it. Um, Showman says, uh, Phil, was a JJ uh, Jr. your favorite amp this year, Nam? No, but I would say it was my second favorite uh, after the Marshall JCM 800. That was my favorite. The JJ was definitely my second favorite. That was a fantastic amp. Uh, and, and like I said, if Marshall hadn't come out with an amp that I've been wanting for years, which is a Plexi JCM800 series in the lower wattages, the JJ, I had already told Lawrence on, on Thursday, the JJ amp, I was like, I, I think I'm gonna have to get that amp. Uh, in fact, I had already kind of almost resolved to, uh, sell off the run 20 and get the JJ. And, uh, I will tell you this, if you think about getting the run 20 of the JJ, I would definitely go to the JJ oh, sick amplifier for the price point. Uh, $1,500 made in USA. It's more, it's so loud. It was so great. It gets quiet. Uh, very, very cool. After that, my next favorite amplifier was the new brace breaker by Fender. Uh, that amp being $900 was a great amplifier. Uh, anything from boss besides attenuator? I didn't see it. I mean, I'm sure there was, you know what I mean? You're at the booth and you kind of like focusing on the thing you're looking at. That's all I noticed was the attenuator. Okay. Oh, uh, here's a good one. Uh, dark y'all, dark y'all, dark y'all says Epiphone thoughts. 
Uh, by the way, get a casino or a Sheraton. Sheraton is what I'm looking at. Funny enough, you know, it's funny how influence works. Uh, I mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, oops, hold on a second. I mentioned earlier that Emily Wolf uh, was this artist that came up to me and said she was a fan of the channel. And again, I put a link in the description. She's an amazing artist. What happened was I wasn't familiar with her, and now I am. And when I uh, when I uh, got home and I started watching her videos and, and watching her her band and her performance, she plays like a Sheraton and through a fuzz pedal and her tone and just style was so phenomenal. It just made me go, I, I you know what? That's what I want to do. So it's funny how that works, right? I love it that we all inspire each other to do stuff. So, uh, metal fender guy says, do you get a guarantee answer for a pay chat? I try, you know what I mean? If it gets lost, it gets lost. I mean, I try. I will tell you this metal guy, um, you just did a dollar for no reason, but, uh, I will tell you this. If you ever super chat me and I don't see it and, and you put an important answer, I will try to message you guys out afterwards the show and stuff. I'm not really versed on the super chat thing, man. I, I, it, like I said, it, it does it, it goes in a little corner. I get to see it. It's really cool. I appreciate you guys that do that stuff. I try to try to give you guys some priority over this stuff. Uh, Okay, hold on. Oh, Revan put out a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sneakier says 33KR84 said, uh, was mentioning Revan stuff. Revan stuff's always cool too. In fact, you know, that was really cool stuff. Again, though, same thing. Uh, you know, I was trying to have some stuff for you guys where I could say, hey, look, look at this amazing stuff for four, dollars $500, $300. And it just, like I said, vintage was uh, stuff I grabbed uh, and I did that quick video. That was the five to $600. A lot of great stuff, but everything just really the new the new $1,000 and $2,000 price points were just what I saw constantly. So for you guys out there that are trying to stay more budget conscious, it looked like it was just a show that was really pushing those price points really hard. Um, so... Uh, Chris says, what bass would you recommend for a beginner? You know what? I'm going to recommend that new Ibanez 32-inch scale basses for $299. Those are fantastic. It's a great thing to do. I'm a big fan of that scale length. I don't, you know, I don't see a downsize to using it. Okay. Yeah, the Greg Coptelli Reverend looks cool. I thought so too. Really, really cool. Now, Cause G says any new manufacturers, you know, down in the basements where you usually get to see all the new stuff and the new uh, smaller guys. And I'm sure they were there and we kind of took some time. We took a few hours looking for those little cra uh, cracks and crevices, you know, those little guys where there's new stuff popping up and we just didn't see a lot of that. The only thing you keep seeing a little on the new manufacturers is a lot of little guys that pop up that are making these guitars. They're like five, six, seven thousand, ten thousand dollars I mean, you see that stuff. Um, but, and that's cool, but it was, it's not in my wheelhouse. And, um, yeah, um, uh, a hero wants to know if I saw the new chase bliss preamp. Is that the blooper? Is that what that thing was called? The blooper? It looks sick. I think it's cool. I hope I'm, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. What I liked, uh, again, Wampler's new pedal, which had multi effects was really cool. We talked to Brian for a while at the show. Um, and uh about the new pedal and it's because it's a digital pedal and uh that's kind of not not entirely new because like he said the uh uh his re reverb delay is digital it's not his first foray into digital but this was his first like foray into a, a digital selection thing and he really said some cool stuff that i thought was interesting about the pedal about the fact that he's like look i can program these pedals to pretty much do anything but he wanted uh, the user to have control of it so that was really cool and i thought 
Um, like I said, I thought uh, the new uh, pedal from JHS, the Clover, uh, was really cool. Oh, man, I really liked uh, 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 Tyler Larson's video where he did the John Mayer thing and he used that. It sounded fantastic. If you guys didn't see that, it was just really sick to get that John Mayer tone. He He had it, that's for sure. So... And then BB Ninja said, booth prices uh, have gotten really high, pricey. Yeah, one of the things I'd like to do at the show is take some time and talk to the vendors and get a sense in that. And and the mid-priced vendors, uh, it means the vendors that are not, you know, the giant vendors. They're not, you know, PV. They're not, uh, you know, uh, Gibson. Again, uh, echoing the same things we've heard for the last three or four years in the NAM, but probably getting worse each year, which is the prices are exceeding the value point for those they feel like they just don't get a return because they're not getting enough dealers going to the show the show is becoming more and more people that are not dealers you know right you have guys like me now running around the the uh, youtubers uh, at least we're making content and promoting their products but again we're not buying the products like the dealers are and uh, the uh, the guest lists are getting longer and longer even though it's not public and 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 I agree with a lot of vendors at this point um, you know uh, they should probably open it to the public and let public buy some stuff I don't know so it, it's interesting stuff I really think it would do better if they would just open it up as a public show Maybe just do a dealer-only day. In fact, I personally think there should be a dealer-only day. I mean, literally the dealers-only day. And only the dealers. And it should be Thursday. It should be the first day of the show. And literally nobody gets in. Not even the dealer employees. Just the people who buy. Buyer's badges only for Thursday. Let them do their business. Let them see the product. Let it be you know, restricted for them to have access to the product. Let it be the day it needs to be. Then the next day, open it up to the rest of the uh, the uh, NAM community. And then I think the weekend at that point, they should just open it up to the public and let everybody do what they want. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? There's, con there's always conflicting uh, arguments when you talk like that. But that's what I feel. So, uh yeah public day they tried public days in the past they do sunday problem with sunday of the nam if you've ever been to the nam show you'll know sunday by half the way, the way through they're already boxing up their stuff and they're done so there is a great thing and i think it'd be great um uh, yeah see I, ian's saying the same thing dealer only day public then allowed to buy i agree because uh, that's something that i did talk to a lot of manufacturers that were saying like man they, they have all these visitor passes there and there's visitors walking up and they're like hey can i buy this guitar can i buy this thing can i do this and they can't sell it to you there's no selling at the dam just just dealer orders so they can't sell to private people so and that would definitely make those booths get paid for because you gotta understand it's tough you know some of these people are paying fifteen thousand dollars for a booth plus their hotels you know plus the you know, uh, you know, uh, the, they're, they're having their employees there and all this stuff. They're paying all this money and to get dealer orders. And a lot of dealers are not going any anymore to the show to do orders because they do the orders either before the show. The, the show gets a little antiquated. You don't need to physically fly across the country, fly across the world to go see a product now. It can be posted on the Internet. It's not like it was 25 years ago where, you know, it was either looking at a catalog or, uh, you know, go to the NAMM show to see it in, uh, in, in person. Yeah, comic, uh, Cormac uh, Sheehan says less to box up if they can sell it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? It, it would be it would be nice. Uh, less stuff to ship home. A lot of you guys say that, right? 
Yeah, somebody said 15K. That's outrageous. You, you, you know what it is? Uh, I can tell you now, small builders will tell you right now, small companies uh, will tell you why it's very expensive. It's a very expensive show to get access to a dealer network that in today's day and age can be accessed through the internet. Think of it this way. If you were a product, if you were a company, just think of it this way. If you're a new company out there and you want to access all the dealers, well, now a Google search will give you all the dealers. You can pick a city and state and click where all the stores are and see them and then go to their websites and see what they carry. You can get a sense of a dealer network very easy and see, do, you know, does this music store carry guitars? If so, what kind of guitars do they carry or what kind of pedals? And you can do a little bit of online research, spend a couple of days online for free, getting all the research and then send messages out to those stores or even drive to those stores instead of just driving to each store through a phone book kind of thing. Um, so it's not like you have to wait to to that. And if you want your dealers to see your product, you can you can put them on YouTube and other products. So the, the NAM has definitely becoming antiquated and they don't seem to be grasping how they could innovate the industry. Uh, it seems to be more so of how are they going to keep the industry doing it the way that they've been doing, which is pay for booths and, and hope the store owners go there. Yeah, uh, Ian also said most store. Well, I can tell you right now, as you guys know, I had a store for 13 years. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it many times. My store was a, what they would call a mid-sized store. We would do a million a year in product sales, at least in guitar category. And that size store, what I will tell you is this. That's that's a lot, but it's not. It's small. It's definitely bigger than a small, small store, but it's definitely not in the league of the mid-sized stores. The mid but I will tell you this. I was a Fender dealer, Paul Red Smith, Gretsch. You know, um, those products were ordered before we got to the show. Those, those companies came to us, you know, Fender and those guys would come to me way before the show, two weeks before the show, uh, and say, here's the new products and what, you know, here's the buy-ins that we would like you to do for this year. Boss, same thing. Boss would have, uh, my orders in and we'd go to the show and they would show you some of the things you ordered already. Like, Hey, you ordered 10 of these. You want to see it before, <laughs> you know, right. Since it's here. And, uh, what I remember most was a lot of the reps would, uh, ask me a favor and the favor was hey you know i know you ordered everything before the show will you stop by the booth and make an appointment so i can show my boss i'm meeting with the dealers and that would became such an old thing that you know and you do it and you're walking the booth and you're like i already seen this stuff <laughs> you know what i mean so uh or they would do things to you like uh to kind of keep excitement they would let you see 90 percent of the new products or 95 percent hold some back but it got harder and harder each year because like i said i could look online and find the leaked stuff there's always stuff leaked out so as a YouTuber, it's frustrating. I get stuff leaked out to me a couple days for the show and, and I get a gag order and they tell me, don't even think about posting it. And then I go online and 50 people who have, have already posted it. So I'm like, you know, I don't know what you're trying to hide. The information's out there. You can't hide it. So is my mic muted again? Somebody says it's muted again. Hello? I looks like it's reading to me. So uh joe says did you close the store yeah i stopped working the store in april no january february february i stopped working in the store february of 2017 and then they decided not to renew the lease the the because the, there's three of us that own the store the other two owners that were uh, going to stay working the store instead of me decided not to re-up the store in the lease uh when it was, I think that was April. Cause I, otherwise they had to sign a new five-year lease and they decided not to do it because I wasn't there anymore. So that's the way that worked out. So, um, and mainly we never talked about this, but mainly, so you guys know, some of you guys, I know, uh, watch, you'll probably know the locals all know this. The main reason is, is me not being at the store, uh, was obviously not very helpful to them, but more importantly, what was happening was, 
uh, the shopping center we were in. This is just talking about the times in the world we live in now. The shopping center had been foreclosed on a year before that, 2016. The bank owned it, still owns it, by the way. The bank still owns the shopping center. Uh, has not been sold. They've tried been trying to sell it now for almost two years. The because the bank did not own the shopping center, they would not negotiate new leases. So what they were doing was just saying whatever your lease is, they want you to stay current in that. And the problem the um, the other owners had uh, when they brought it to me, because you know obviously I've still owned a part of the store even though I wasn't working anymore. The question was, you know, what should they do? And in the shopping center we were in, the uh, in January of that year. Petco, which is a big anchor store in the shopping center, closed and left. It's still empty to this day. And Bashes, the giant grocery store, did not renew their lease. They're not there. In fact, the shopping center my store is in right now is 75% empty. And it's almost been two years since the store closed. So you can imagine why we didn't want to pay almost $7,000 a month rent in a shopping center that now has no anchor stores and is almost dead. And one of the only pads that they were able to put to fill in as a doctor's office now. So you can imagine they didn't really bring in a lot of stuff. So they were going to move the store and that's what happened is, do you want to move the store? You know, Phil McKnight's not really working the store anymore. Um, the plan was I would continue to do the repairs, but not work the store, but I do the repairs now and I, and like the store, I don't need really need the store to do the repairs. So that's what happened with that. So Okay, uh, Dano, uh, Dano FNG. By the way, anytime you guys want to ask any of that stuff, you can ask me anything on these shows. I, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. A bunch of the viewers and I uh, personally, and uh, you know, outside, uh, you know, not on on the internet. And uh, you guys ever want to ask any questions about the industry? Anything I can tell you that I know about? I'll I'll share anything with you. I don't really have anything that I have off the table. Um. Okay. Uh. Rob C says, wouldn't the dealers take all the products if the company sold at NAM so nothing was left? Well, what happens now is the dealers sometimes will buy the booth. So you got to understand, Rob. So the dealer, the way this works with the NAM environment is the uh, you know, the dealers go and we make our orders for the product, right? There's demo, there's display stuff, but you're not really buying that to send your store. You're buying, you know, if they display a guitar, you're buying the guitars that will be shipped from them to you. Um, but they do buy the displays. Uh, and I've done that many years too in the past. You know, you buy the booth or you buy whatever displays they have. Um, and that's good. And they give you an extra deal on that. So think about this to the, to the manufacturers. And again, I, I, I was a dealer, so I want to defend what the deal, you know, the de dealers, but I also want to be very practical and, and talk and give both sides their voice. Um, if I was a manufacturer and you told me I had, I could sell the dealer a product 30%, cause that's usually what you expected to get 30% below. So if a product sold to, you bought it for 700 bucks, that's streeted for a thousand, you would expect to get an additional 30% off of it because it was a NAM display item. So they have to take the stuff they bring to the show and then dis discount it even more. But to if they open it up to the public, they could say the dealers like, no, we're going to retain this. They could sell it to the public for 20% off or 10% off the street price. And they would sell it for higher than they were actually going to sell it to the dealer if it was a non-display item, right? Because if a, if a consumer is willing to pay $1,000 new, they would pay, let's say, $800 as a display NAM item and get something cool from the NAM. You see what I'm saying? So the manufacturer would make some extra money. And yeah, that would take some of that display product away from the dealers getting the deals. But 
you know, what have you. So something like that, or they could bring extra product for the public. Again, let them sell out their booths. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, especially does, you know, does Fender need that? No, they don't need that stuff. But would, would uh, Bob's Pedals in Nebraska really appreciate if he could uh, make two or $3,000 selling his booth out at the show to put towards that, that bill and maybe actually get to be at the show differently? I think that would be helpful. I think it would be helpful. Because the reason I say that is because I know a lot of manufacturers this year skipped the show again. That's how you know. You know what I mean? How many manufacturers went last year that skipped? Um, I see it all the time. A ton of smaller companies, a lot of them out there, will go to the damn show but then not follow the second year. So because, again, it costs a lot and it's uh, they're not making enough money to, to validate the booth. So there you go. Something like that. Uh, music 72 says, Phil, did you check out the new Epiphone DC pro, uh, or any other Epiphones can't afford Gibson's, uh, thank you for all what you do. Yeah. The DC pro, I liked it. Uh, it's not something I want because I already have a Paul Reed Smith, but I would say this, I liked it, uh, as much, if not more than some of the PRSSEs. And maybe if you were thinking about getting something like that, I could see where you, you would want to pick that guitar over the, uh, Paul Reed Smith SE. That was really cool. I liked all the Epiphones uh, as a whole because I'm an Epiphone fan. And uh, but like I said, the one that that got me, the one that got me excited from Epiphone was the uh, SST Coupe and Natural, something I would love to check out uh, from them. And of course, I'm I'm really thinking right now my next my Epiphone will not be uh, Les Paul like I was talking about before. It will be a Sheraton or a Semi Hollow guitar. Uh, Ian says, NAM will eventually go away. Well, we say, you know, that, that's something we all say every year. It's possible. I don't think it will ever go away because here's why. The, the the reason why I say it won't go away is because the NAM is much bigger than just the guitar community. And it's the guitar community we talk about on the show. But so you know, the NAM is mostly non-guitar stuff. I mean, that's, that's where, <coughs> excuse me. That's where a lot of the show is happening. You know, that's one thing when they talk about the physical size of the show. Can you see the show in a day? No. But like when I told Lawrence, I said, we'll, we'll see the whole show in less than a day. We don't even have to get, stay the second day. And I think he looked at me funny. And at the first day, by four o'clock, we were kind of done. You've seen all the guitar stuff. You know what I mean? It's, it's you know, the, the show is also drums. It's band orchestra. It's uh, DJ equipment, which is really growing each year. You know, lighting and DJ really grows. Um, let's be honest. If you're a younger player, you're really into DJing and stuff. Then you are more so into guitar. Uh, so that's, that's, and that's been the way since the 90s. That's not new. So when I was in high school, DJing was cooler than being a guitar player. So there you go. That tells you a lot. Um, the, uh, in fact, think about this. This is a good perspective for all the players. Because what was great about the show is I met so many of you, and it really was all over the place. I was really shocked to see how diverse this audience is. It's extremely diverse, from really young players to older players and everybody in between. In between. And so that being said, let me put a, a perspective that I think will be interesting. My son is 19 years old, and, uh, and so that will give you an idea of age. Uh, right? He's 19. When I was in high school... DJing was like said was the thing you know right rapping and DJing was bigger than guitar by by leaps and bounds so DJ has been huge and it's been huge for a long time um a beer nice says get your GNL yet if not uh, just go grab one off the wall nope but didn't get the GNL yet uh reach out to GNL guys I so you know I tried to do some content with GNL at the, uh, this year uh and uh 
I didn't get a message back. I emailed them. I said they weren't listed on the NAMM show. I said, uh, are you there? They said, yes. Uh, they'll let me know what the booth was and get me some information. Uh, they must have got busy. They didn't get back to me. Um, so I wasn't able to go. Obviously, I was planning to go back and film some more stuff at the factory and stuff. But again, I didn't I didn't hear anything back uh, from them. I don't know if they were busy or, or what. But whatever it was, it was definitely, uh, you know. So, yeah, that's what's going on. So the GNL. Didn't get the GNL yet. Don't know much um, about it. I don't know. I do know this. A buddy of mine uh, loved uh, the the story of GNL when I went and did the video, and he decided to buy himself a custom GNL, and he got his. So I do know that they are getting the guitars relatively quickly because he ordered his after mine, and he got his already. And that could be the difficulty of the guitars. You know what I mean? Sometimes one guitar fast tracks faster than another. But so it's like they. It's not that they're not. Uh, getting guitars done so there seems to be getting guitars done it, it, again i'll update you as uh as soon i'm really curious now my buddy said something funny made me laugh i'm gonna order the kiesel this week uh he said it will be funny if kiesel was able to beat gnl's uh uh time uh if and, uh, and not in how fast they could do it but if i get the let's just say it would be very telling if i get the kiesel faster and i get this gnl but like i said i'm very excited about both guitars um Uh, let's see what else. And then we'll be kind of summing up soon here. Oh, Alfredo, tough question, man. Any in innovative gear that wowed me this year? Huh? Uh, I don't know about innovative. You know, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything that was like, you know, that blew me away. If I think of something, I'll let you know, but I didn't see anything that was just so much different than anything else that I've ever seen any year previous. Uh, Sean T says, I feel SEPRS moved to Indonesia only production. Wait, I feel SEPRS moved to Indonesia only production and no acknowledgement passing down possible savings to us. The customer just feels unnecessary. Agree. Well, um, Sean, this is a good question and I'm going to frame it in a, in a, in a way uh, that I think companies sometimes make mistakes and, uh, this is how I think they made the mistake. It's the same mistake. I, I would say almost all companies. So if you're a company and you watch this uh, video and that's another thing I learned this year too, was going to all these companies, a lot of them really listen to the podcast, of this show. So, uh, in fact, I got that like echoed out. A lot of them told me they all download, uh, this is downloadable on iTunes and SoundCloud. So, you know, and, um, and, uh, anyways, so, uh, what's interesting is, I think uh, when you talk to a company and they say, we move from Korea to Indonesia to keep prices in line. So in other words, it's, I understand your logic. Your logic is I was paying $800 for a made in Korea. Now it moves to Indonesia. I should be paying six or seven. I should save money. And where I think they make the mistake is what they should do every time is not immediately move to the lower uh, uh, cost manufacturing. What I think they should do is always raise the price of the current manufacturing. And the reason I say that is because of that reason. It's it's an optics issue. To you, they moved from Korea into Indonesia and they kept the difference in they what they saved, right? Because we know it costs less to manufacture in Indonesia than it does Korea. So to you, they went they were eight hundred dollars. They went to Korea or Indonesia and they saved maybe a hundred dollars and they put that in their pocket and that makes them look greedy. And you're right, except for I think what they seem to relay. And I'm not just talking about PRS. I'm leaving PRS out of this. We're going to talk about just every manufacturer does this. What I notice is, is they are trying to 
uh, not price increase. So they move sideways to a, a less expensive manufacturer because they don't think you'll pay $900. What I always tell them is, why don't they just raise the last of the Korean ones to $900 and let everybody know that, you know, and then move. And then when they go to Indonesia, drop back to seven. I think that's a optics wise. I think that's more exciting to the consumer because in your, your mind now you're thinking I pay a little bit more and I get the Korean one or I pay, you know, what's left of those, or I save some money and they went to Indonesia, but it, all these manufacturers love to tell me over and over again that when they're moving to these other manufacturers, when they go from China to Vietnam or Korea to Indonesia or USA to Korea, they're saving, uh, they're, they're doing it to not, to not make more profit. They're doing it to keep, the price, they're trying to hit a price point. This industry, like a lot of industries, is very focused on price points, not cost effectiveness. There are some goods and bads of that. A lot, a lot of you guys out there are very savvy in other ways besides guitar stuff. You know why this is a problem. Because a manufacturer stays focused on a price. They know you'll you'll impulse buy at $200, you'll buy at $500, $1,000 is a, a different kind of consumer. And the consumer, uh, and here's a good example. We were talking about this at the show all, all, all time. We were interesting thing about the $1,300 uh, made in UK JCM hundreds. Uh, I bought one, obviously. And I was, I told uh, Lawrence this on the drive back. I said, here's how funny how pricing works. At $1,300, I made the purchase. In other words, I said, "That's I'm going to buy this amplifier. And I watched on the video, a lot of you said that was really expensive. And some of you guys said that was within the line. But all of that's great. That's everybody's opinions. But I can only tell you what I my opinion was. At $1,300, I bought one. At $1,500, I would have waited to make the purchase. It's a $200 difference. At that, pro at that point, $1,300, $1,500, I mean, that's a lot of money either way. But it's funny how $200 would have changed me from buying. It would have made me wait. So, uh, and then Sean Brooks just mentioned, so he said, why get the Studio JC100 when you already have the Super Jubilee? I talked about that earlier, Sean. And so uh, basically my plan is uh, in this week's video, I will do a shootout with them and I'm only keeping one. And that's why. And the reason, the only reason I'm doing this, so you guys know, uh, and again, just to kind of see my, my logic on this. Uh, when I bought the Silver Jubilee, I bought it because I wanted a JCM 100. That's what I wanted. I wanted a JCM 100 and they didn't make an affordable uh, JCM 100. Uh, uh, well, they didn't make an import, or not import. They didn't make a small version. I shouldn't say affordable, but they didn't make a JCM 100. Uh, well, they didn't make affordable one. It's like $2,400 for the JC100. So, you know what I mean? So they didn't make one that I, I, I wanted to get into their price point. So I got the Silver Jubilee Mini and uh, I like it. I really, really like it. And I'll be shocked if I like it more than the 800. I, I, cause I, I don't know, you know, at this point it's tough. It's one of those things. It'll be tough because I really like the, I really like the Silver Jubilee now. So I'll be curious to see if, cause I got them in that order. So so, um, somebody said, but you're not at NAM. Luke says, but you're not at NAM. Uh, no, I'm done with NAM. I was there Thursday, all day Thursday and all day Friday. I'm gone. And I went back and, uh, yesterday I recouped. And then today I'm talking to you guys. Okay. Anything else before we go? Any more NAM questions? Uh, Cheech Canada says, why not use boss power stack, Marshall tones and a pedal? I got, you know what? So, you know, Marshall tones in a box. I got my pedal pal Marshall pedals. The Marshall amp isn't, so, you know, I don't want a Marshall amp 
for the martial tones because I, I agree with you. I can just get a pedal, especially practicing a house at the house. I, I get it because I like how pedals interact with marshals. That's what it's all about for me. It's just the sound I'm going after. What's behind those curtains? Oh, we should torture everybody with that. What is behind those curtains? So. And um, Luke says, John Mayer was cool. Yes, he was there. I didn't go see him. Um, so. Uh, you know, he was at the PRS uh, thing. It was a private thing. Um, uh, PRS was nice enough. They sent me an invite to a bunch of stuff. I don't know if it was to that, but they sent me in the thing. Uh, I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't do anything other than just focused on uh, the gear. So, so am I in a photo booth? Ah, maybe that's where I'm at. So, all right. Uh, Okay, hold on. Just looking at any last cool questions. Uh, I want to do some re recap real quick so you guys know. If you go to knowyourgear.net, you can check out all my top 12 list of, of the things I like, plus some extra stuff I mentioned at the show that was really cool. Um, uh, oh, in Jar Jar says, was there any cool gadgets around? Oh, yeah. You know what? There was. I'm going to show you one. So when I was walking by a booth, this was kind of a cool story. I was walking by a booth and it was string swing. And when I was walking by Anne, who's the owner of string swing, she saw my shirt and she smiled at me and she waved because I do shout outs on this channel all the time for string swing. As you guys know, I'm a huge string swing fan. That's all I've used since 1992. No exceptions. That's all I hang my guitars on my wall. Super easy. Right. And, uh, she, uh, she smiled and waved at me. I waved. So I stopped, you know, I stopped and I said, hi. And she was just saying, Hey, thank you for all the kind things you say on the, on the show about string swing. And she goes, we really noticed it. And they gave me a gift and I want to show it to you. So here's what it is. So this is a, a mic stand. I have, this is my hose, a mic stand. I'm just going to show you this. This is a short one, right? For my camps. And they gave me this gift and they gave me two things. This thing is a headphone holder and this is a drink holder. And I'm using this for the display of this. So this holds your drink on a mic stand and how it works is you just hook it here, right? This is how fast it is. I just want to show you how fast it is. You just do this and you do this and there it is. And here's how crazy this, that is. Did you see what I just did? I just thought that was a cool gadget. Uh, and there's different sizes. They gave me one of each side. So again, you hook it and so if you want to have a drink while you're on stage um, or actually what I need more so than that is I do put my headphones on a mic stand. And again, this uh, is a headphone holder and a, that's how crazy fast that works. Uh, again, made in the USA string swing, very cool gift. Thank you, Ann and the people at string swing for giving that to me. Um, that was a really cool experience to walk by and have somebody kind of say hi and notice that, you know, we talk about them on the channel and, and hook me up. Uh, so, so yeah, you have to hold the stand while drinking. There you go. So I thought that was cool. So if you're asking about a cool gadget, that was a right. So, so there you go. All right. Uh, on that note, the curtain is hiding the JCMA hundred. Wouldn't that be nice? So interesting. Actually, you know what? I'll just tell you guys. You guys, you know what? I, it's not fair if I don't tell you everything. Uh, the curtains. What are the curtains? Uh, so, you know, my entire room, the room you guys see me with guitar stuff, my entire room is curtains, by the way, um, because that's how I sound dampen the room. 
I use curtains instead of uh, I used I used to have studio foam and then what I did is do curtains so I can shut curtains over everything if I want and that's what it is right now so that's what I'm that's what you're looking at so so <laughs> Hobo Rody says hey Phil uh, thanks you just sold a drink holder that's cool man like I said they have two different sizes that was the small one they have a bigger one it, it's cool right and it was like twelve bucks it's legit made in the USA strong good dude they were taking so you know at the show he was doing the same thing I was doing with you but with a, a long newsstand with an iPad on a, and they make an iPad holder and it was just and it, and I didn't even think about it I just grabbed it and started and I realized while I was standing there that I'm swinging around his iPad. Uh, on his thing and he didn't even he didn't even wince like he didn't even wasn't even scared he knew it was going to be right so it was great so so on that note i want to thank all you guys hanging out with me like i said this was not the qa we'll do the qa uh as well uh this was just for the nam recap and uh sorry the mute the thing happened the muted uh when it relaunches i'll edit that out i'll just chop all that chunk out so thank you guys for letting me all know that it was uh cutting out on that and then uh i saw uh, thank you. A bunch of you guys let me know that it was cutting out. Thank you guys. Uh, Gatologist even said, Hey, it's, uh, it's cutting out. So, uh, so thank you for saying that. Um, uh, and thanks. Uh, thank you, Gatologist. Thank you for hanging out. And, uh, and, uh, that was really cool. You man. And, um, what else? Um, yeah. And on that note, I think I'm going to let you guys go. Uh, I didn't see what, uh, you know, golden guitars. Uh, so, you know, so, uh, cyber tiger says anything from golden guitars. Only thing I saw was a blue golden a six that looked pretty cool. I didn't notice anything else. So must've been cool. And, and then the last uh, couple things real quick was, uh, somebody asked about Yamaha, Yamaha, which is Yamaha and peg and line six was in a different building. We never went to that building. It was at the Marriott or the Hilton or something like that. So I didn't get to go to there. It was just way on the other side. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Bass Trin Trinter says thoughts on the Epiphone DC. Like I said earlier, I liked it. I liked it more than the SE PRS SEs, or I liked it as much as I should say. Um, so if I I'm thinking if you're in the market for a price point guitar like that, and you're looking for something cool, I liked it that much. I could honestly say, uh, it was up there with that kind of quality and looks and feel. Um, and Cyber Tiger says, thanks. I love Godin. Yeah, me too. I like Godin too. They're definitely one of the most underrated companies out there for quality. So uh, they're they're awesome. Like I said, I like my Godin A6 a lot. That's why I did that video. Do curtains work better than studio foam? Oh, okay. Uh, here's a good question since I brought it up. It says, do curtains work better than studio foam? I'm literally fixing to buy some soundproofing. Uh, you know what it was? It was my wife. Uh, she bought these at Ikea. These are the curtains you can buy at Ikea. And I had studio foam up on the walls. And what happens is in my room, as you guys know, I hang guitars and stuff and you hang stuff on the walls. And then when you put studio foam up, you take away, you can't put stuff up on the walls. And so what my wife did is she came up with this idea to just buy really long curtain rods that go on each wall. And then she put all the curtains. And I think I can tell you right now, uh, I don't remember exactly, but I can tell you all these curtains combined cost probably a quarter of what studio phone cost. It was really inexpensive. Um, what I can tell you is, is uh, I don't know if it's going to work here, but there is no echo in this room at all. This room is, uh, is dead uh, and it's uh, nice. So, so it works great. Uh, probably not works as good as studio foam. I wouldn't say that. Does it work fine? Yes. And if it's not a, I don't have a recording studio. I just need the room to be a little sonically, uh, 
you know, I need to remove the echo for, for their videos and it works great. And it allows me to close them and open up. So, um, Oh, somebody says it's not the real guitologist. Ah, well, it's a, and I'm probably saying the name wrong again. Anyways, uh, I've learned what did I learned at the show. I can't say guitologist, right. And I can't say agathish, right. Uh, and I apologize to Hunter a thousand times at the show. I don't know why he said Agafish 50 times. I said it back. He told me I was still saying it wrong. You know what? It's, it's a, it's just the way you were, you know, you talk the way you talk. It's where you live, man. I, I mean, no disrespect to anybody when I mispronounce anything. So, so don't wear black with black drapes. Oh, they're gray. It's just, you know what it is. It's, um, it's, uh, getting darker in the room. So on that note, uh, definitely need to let you guys go because we've been on here a long time today. This is one of the longest shows ever. Ah, ah. Okay, hold on. Lawrence says, ah, goo fish. Agu fish? Dude, that'd be awesome if I'm saying it right now. Agu fish. <laughs> Still probably saying it, no. Yeah, see, Piazzo. Yeah, I give up on all that stuff, man. You know what? And uh, You guys can just bust my chops on it. I'm all right with that. Makes it, it makes us have something in common to 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 when we meet each other. You can talk about how whoa that was bright. Um. So, uh. Anyways, like I said, a couple things are important things to do on this live show. If you want to check out uh, the stuff I highlighted, you can check it out on the Ask Know Your Gear. Uh, that right there, and um, I'll probably do uh, another video for about the Nam, maybe an official kind of short version Nam kind of to sum up. Uh, get that out. And real quick, just to mention, because it's happening, uh, it's on the link in the description. If you live local in Phoenix, I will be playing this Thursday, 7 p.m. at the Rhythm Room uh, with uh, Larry Mitchell. I'll be playing bass uh, for him. So if you guys want to come out and say hi, I would love to do that and uh, love to see you guys there. And I think that that's everything I wanted to cover on the NAMM show, guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks for hanging out. I saw I got like 800 and something of us hanging out. As always, you guys are are fantastic and uh i'm just gonna leave it with uh thanks for your time and know your gear